You're listening to the PFWC podcast with me, Carly Compton, a podcast created to help you learn strategies to overcome that bully inside your head, ways to practice self-love, awareness and understanding of eating disorders, how to embrace the body you have been given and develop a healthy relationship with food, exercise, and most importantly, yourself. Here at the PFWC podcast, we find it important to create a safe space and a place for individuals to come to learn how to create that lifestyle that works for them. We're dropping comparisons, fighting unrealistic beauty standards, and coming together to show the world that all bodies are beautiful and that healthy looks different on everyone. Sit back, relax, and get ready to grow together. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the PFWC podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. I am sitting down with my dear friend, Brenta Pond. Um, We were introduced um, via Instagram and I have just fallen in love with her and her personality and the energy that she puts off. So I'm really excited to um, be sitting down to speaking with her today. So hi, Brenta. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Uh, yes, of course. I'm I'm very much excited as well. Um, to so to start off, I would love for you to kind of just tell us a little bit about yourself um and just have the listeners um get to know you a little bit. Yeah. So again, my name is Brenta. I am a body acceptance, body confidence content creator online. Um, I'm a little bit of an amateur writer. I I like to say that I'm just an all-around awkward human being online too. <laughs> that's the gist of what I do basically though. Yeah. And I think that's why I connected with you so much is because I'm also awkward yeah. and I'm like, I love this human because we both are awkward and we just both embrace it. <laughs> I love that transparency now though. Cause I used to be the type of person that was always like, okay, I have to do this and wear this and, you know, like be perfect all the time. And I'm like, I'm just going to be myself. Exactly. And the more I was, the more I connected with like other awkward people. Yeah. And then honestly, it genuinely made me feel less awkward. It made me feel more connected (laughs) with people, which is just ironic, I guess. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent relate. I feel like when I was like afraid of my awkwardness, I was more awkward. Right. Because I was trying to like be someone that I wasn't. And then people are like, I'm sorry, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm just trying not to be awkward. And then I realized that just being myself and being awkward and being around other awkward people made me feel less awkward. And I mean, like, are we all a little bit awkward? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's just, it's in all of us. But I feel like that was the same way. Like I used to like repeat or like say things in my head before I say them out loud. Can you imagine how long and how stressful Mm -hmm. that was? Oh Mm -hmm. my God. It was horrible. Yeah. I used to like, um, before I would go out or like leave my house, I would like imagine certain situations. I'd be like, okay, well, if this happens, this is how I'll react. Um, it was like debilitating. It really was. Yeah. We'd like, I can imagine that sending you into like an anxiety, you know, Mm -hmm anxiety attack or something or like not making you want not want to go out and not want to see people mm-hmm. I did that all the time all yeah the time. definitely um so anyone listening if you're awkward just embrace it <laughs> you will find your exactly. humans <laughs> you will exactly. and it's all it's all worth it <laughs> 100%. there's seven billion people in this world maybe more now 
you're going to, you're bound to connect with somebody. Definitely. 1000%. So I wanted to just start off, um, by, um, chatting a little bit about your relationship with your body. Um, I know that that's kind of where we connected online was just talking about body acceptance, feeling confident in your body, um, all of those really great things. And so I would love for you to kind of just share a little bit about, you know, your journey with your body and what that looked like. Yeah. So my journey with my body started out really negatively. I was like born and raised in the South Asian community, but then also like within Canada. So, um, you know, around pop culture, around, you know, the Britney Spears era, the Paris Hilton era, and you had this time where I was growing up of people who just admired skinny bodies Mm -hmm. and the media portrayed them in a way where that was sort of ideal. And then I had, you know, my own culture saying, well, that, yeah, that's right. You you should want that by any means necessary. Um, So without even knowing it, I formed these habits that ended up turning up to be eating disorders that I didn't even know were eating disorders until maybe three or four years ago mm-hmm. when I started like talking to someone and, and figuring all of that out. So my relationship with my body was sort of just this like blind loyalty to being skinny mm-hmm. or to looking a certain way. And it was mentally and physically unhealthy. I had periods as a child where I would starve myself and I'd black out mm-hmm. and I had no idea why it was happening. I fainted constantly. And then For some reason, as I got older, even though I knew that was wrong, you know, I sort of grew out of it. When I started to gain weight, I formed similar habits again towards like the end of my teen years in my early 20s, where I was like, okay, again, like I've gained so much weight, I need to lose all this weight. And I would try, I went to this period where I literally would try like any diet that I could get my hands Mm -hmm. on combined with like working out, which is just so unhealthy. I was not fueling my body by any means. I wasn't healthy by any means, even though when I did lose weight, I looked like I was healthy because, you know, people see skinny as healthy. Yeah. So I got to my mid twenties. I was absolutely fed up. I was at a point in my life where, you know, I had all these big changes going on. I, I was engaged. I was looking for a wedding dress and I didn't want all of those experiences and memories to be surrounded by my weight Mm -hmm. the same way that I had let 25 years of my life be you know curated by by this idea of what I should probably look like Mm -hmm. um so I hit like a breaking point basically and I had had enough I think the point that I was that I wanted to change I think that was like a few months after I had just finished my last diet that I would ever go into, which was intermittent fasting, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know was a diet. Um, and yeah, I, I hit a breaking point. I didn't want to do this anymore. I wanted mm-hmm. to just live a life where my body wasn't the center of everything. Yeah. So I decided one day that I was going to work on that. And then I discovered body neutrality and it was an absolute godsend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Saved yeah. my life. Yeah. Ugh. I feel like I relate to so much of that. And I feel like so many people relate to so much of that. This like idea growing up that, you know, skinny was, was the, was preferred. And if you didn't look that way, it was figuring out what do you do to look that way? 
Exactly. And how do you get that? How do you get there? Um, and I think it can be really hard because like, at least in my situation, my mom and my grandma were very much ingrained into diet culture and they didn't, they weren't able to recognize any sort of disordered eating habits because it'd been so normalized in their yeah. lives. And so for them, it was constantly the new, the next diet. What diet are we going on next? Um, what am I cutting out? Like, am I not like my mom would like not eat bread and then she yeah. like only buy fat-free dress dressings and like sugar-free this. And that was just like what I was used to. And I thought that was just normal. Um, so growing up, I was like, okay, well, as women, we're supposed to just constantly be trying to lose weight and shrink ourselves and be as small as we can, um, to the point of, yeah, developing those eating disorders and developing that really negative relationship with your body. Um, yeah, I've been there. I related also to every diet. I did every diet you can imagine. <laughs> oh my God. I, I feel like I could play like diet bingo and I, the whole card would just be like X style. Like I've done this, oh. I've done that. I've done that. Oh my God. Yes. 1000%. I did slim fast. Like I would drink oh. slim fast for breakfast. Um, yeah. Like the Weight Watchers, like yeah. Jenny Craig, like everything you can imagine I have tried. And have you heard of, it, of the one? Sorry. No, no, no. That's fine. I was just gonna say most of it was like my mom doing it and me just doing what my mom was doing. Oh, totally. Like I, I grew up in a culture around that, but they didn't. They weren't really into like those kinds of diets. They were more into uh, like in South Asian culture. It's sort of disguised as like health, which is really, really bad because mm-hmm. they're saying, oh well, if you eat this vegetable, you know, it's it's gonna be good for you and it's gonna yeah. make you lose weight and it'll make you look a certain way disguising it as health, but it's really not intended for those purposes. Mm -hmm. But I, I went into one that was sort of bizarre when I say it out loud now, but it was drinking like cayenne pepper and like maple syrup and water and lemon. And you put it in a water bottle and you like shake it up and you drink it. I have no idea what it was called, but I did it. And it was, it tasted disgusting. I felt horrible but you know, all, all in the name of losing weight, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I, I also did, um, like instead of eating breakfast, I would do like, um, like hot water with lemon and cayenne pepper and honey. Yeah. Like what you just mentioned. And I would drink that in the morning. And then I would also drink that at night. Like after dinner, if I was like still hungry, I would just And it was so messed up, so incredibly messed up. Um, And I'm thankful that we are both now at the place where we can openly talk about these things, because I think for anyone who's listening, who's like, oh, wait, I do that. (laughs) Um, I want you to know that it's not worth it. And no matter what your family's telling you or what anyone's telling you, you need to eat, you need to fuel your body. And being skinny is not the solution to all of our problems. I love that. Yeah. I mean, like, just like, listen to your body. Cause like you said, you were like, you were saying like how you drink that after dinner, if you felt hungry, mm-hmm. when in reality, if we look back at that situation, I've done the same thing. If I look back at those moments, I'm sort of like, well, okay, that was my body telling me something. Mm-hmm. I clearly didn't nourish it enough for the day. Yeah. It has no energy. I, I need to do something about that and not ignore that yeah. in the name of, you know, my physical appearance. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that one's so difficult. That one's so hard because 
that has been so normalized. Like that conversation around, okay, don't eat after 7 p.m. Or if you're oh hungry God. after 7 p.m., chug a bunch of water and just yeah. fill your fill your stomach with water <laughs> and ignore those hunger cues and <laughs> just yes. like try and go to sleep and wake up starving. And then don't eat breakfast, but drink this tea that you're going to drink in the morning. Yeah. Um, which, you know, kind of takes us into that conversation around intermittent fasting, um, which I saw you recently talk about and um, you mentioned was part of your experience. Um, so what was your experience with intermittent fasting? So I was introduced to intermittent fasting because I heard someone I knew who was, who was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should have known better. Mm-hmm but I didn't and I did it anyway. Um, and it was, you know, around the time that I was just getting engaged and I had all eyes on me. I wanted to look, you know, I wanted to shred for the wedding, shredding for the wedding. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I was working out and I was doing that and I lost a bunch of weight. And the second that I stopped doing it, I gained all this weight back. Um, and I stopped doing it because I, I wasn't doing it properly because I was hungry. I was, uh-huh. I was listening to my body and when it was hungry, I would feed it. And that went against the rules of intermittent fasting. If, if your body is hungry, you don't eat your fasting. And that's mm-hmm. in and of itself, just such a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think I mentioned in my story recently today that when I was talking about intermittent fasting, that your, and this is what I learned, I'm not a nutritionist, but this is what I learned is that your body naturally fasts at night anyway. Mm-hmm. When, you, yeah. when you're sleeping, you know, you're, you're sleeping for all of those hours um, it's getting that rest that it needs or that fasting period that it, that it needs. But now this diet is being sold to people as, well, it's going to help lower your blood sugar levels and your cholesterol. And it's being labeled as health mm-hmm. and that it's not going to just fix your weight. It's going to fix other things as well, which is really concerning to me because I mean, it, it completely blindsided me mm-hmm. and I didn't really, I wasn't really able to see past any of that. Yeah. Um, but for people who are really struggling, you know, coming out of intermittent fasting, it could be, it could be really hard. Cause again, it's not just being labeled as a diet. Yeah, definitely. I think the thing that was the thing that is, I guess that still is such a red flag. And like you mentioned, is that idea of just like extreme restriction and yeah. like ignoring those like natural hunger cues that our bodies give us. And for me and my experience and a lot of the women that I've worked with, like that is not healthy. No, <laughs> no matter what any doctor tells you, it's yeah. not healthy to ignore your natural hunger cues. Exactly. And you could just debunk the whole existence of intermittent fasting by saying that. 1000%. Yeah. If someone's thinking about going into it, just explain like, Hey, if you're hungry and you're not going to eat, does that seem normal to you? Exactly. Yeah. Does that seem right? Yeah. And then another part of it is that people, and what I read a lot of is that you can kind of eat whatever you want. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not health. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're selling this as health, but that's, that's not health. Yeah. A lot of people do what they want when they want to listen to their body, to enjoy their bodies and to enjoy eating mm-hmm. while nourishing their bodies at the same time. There's a, there has to be a balance there. Yeah. Because for people with like binge eating disorders, like what I had, 
I fell right back into it. I overcorrected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I wouldn't eat for a period of time and then I'd binge eat and it was just. Awful. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was just going to say is it kind of is like just fueling that binge eating. Like even if you don't really know it, or if that's really, that's not your intention. Yeah. We know that extreme restriction causes your body to crave things a hundred times more. <laughs> 100 and so when you're restricting yourself of certain things you are literally setting yourself up to binge or you know you're setting yourself up for failure um even for someone who doesn't necessarily struggle with binge eating disorder they're probably going to partake in some sort of binging after fasting after restricting pretty much because you're so hungry yeah. And you, your body's giving you those cues for what, eight hours? What, what's the period? I think it's like eight hours that you're, um, that you're allowed to eat, you're eating mm-hmm. and you're, you're feeding it. You're going to give into all those hours that you were hungry. Cause the, the proportion of hours that you're not eating to the time when you are allowed to eat, it's, it's just off. It's yeah. very, very imbalanced. So Isn't I it- mean, 16 hours fasting and eight hours eating yes you're right you're right 16 to 8 so those eight hours I mean that's almost nothing and I realized that once I was doing it because I was like okay well and it's also just unrealistic in terms of your lifestyle as well Mm -hmm. because when you're going out on the weekend when you're you know even you want to enjoy life I mean at least after COVID yeah what are you going to do and how are you going to go to restaurants and, Mm -hmm. and and drink and do whatever if your cutoff is like eight o'clock. Yeah. It, it seems very unrealistic. Yeah. And I think the scariest part about it is that idea that it has been backed by so many like medical professionals. And yep. I'm sure that there are people who have really benefited from it in terms of overall health. But I think that number is way smaller than what we're told. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the scariest part is that it's been so normalized by like the medical field and saying that this is what it's going to do for your body. It's going to lower this. It's going to lower this. Um, because the medical field is like, okay, well, I don't care how much you have to restrict yourself. As long as you lose weight, it's healthy. Exactly. I mean, it's similar to like keto. Keto was, was created for a specific group of people and it wasn't Mm -hmm. for the weight loss community. Um, but you know, they, they, they found it and yeah. they, uh, they sort of um, started using it for their own purposes and nobody was really educating them. They, yeah. the diet, you know, the diet industry just sort of went with it and, and mm-hmm. fueled it to make money, of course. And similar thing like this, this could work for some people. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there are doctors who prescribe it to people for certain things, but mm-hmm. you know, everyone who wants to lose weight, it might not be for you, especially people recovering from eating disorders. Yeah, exactly. And I think like in the long run, like you said, with your experience with it, you may have lost a little bit of weight, but you then ended up gaining all of the weight back. And we see that in research with diets is majority of people who complete a diet 10 years down the road, eventually are going to gain all of the weight back and more because their body went through that like starvation mode, that extreme restriction. And it's doing everything it can to like, get back to a place of where it feels like it's (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's okay. <laughs> when I, I mean, that's, that was me every single time that I went on a diet. And I think with the exception of maybe this one time um, after I, I finished it last night, I mean, I gained weight after I stopped 
intermittent fasting, of course, mm-hmm. but it wasn't to the extent of all the other times that I had um, gained weight and mm-hmm. my habits, because I'm now in a place where I know what I should be looking at and know when I should be listening to my body. And I mean, I'm still working on it every day, mm-hmm. but I, I'm, I feel like I'm in a better place and mentally just not as just not as bad as I was after every other time I had come off a diet. Yeah. And I think that that's the scary thing with dieting is we have these like natural hunger cues. And I feel like when we're like, I, and I'm always talking to like parents about this parents who are like, what do I say to my kids? How do I talk to my kids about food? And my response is always, we are born with like intuitive eating, like ingrained in us. We are born as like natural intuitive eaters. And unfortunately that intuitive eating just gets disrupted either by parents or society or whatever. And so it's so scary because once you start that first diet, you're just like throwing off all of your intuitive eating skills. And then it takes a really long time to get back to that place where you can understand what your body's telling you when you're actually hungry, when you're actually full, when you're, you know, all of these different cues that our bodies tell us so clearly. I want that to be taught in schools. I want, I want there to be like a a unit where we sit kids down and say, Hey, like this is, you know, these are the food groups and that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, But say, Hey, like this is what's normal. Like, this is how you listen to your body. This is how Mm -hmm. you can communicate with people. If if you're having these thoughts or, you know, introduce something to them so that they know that what's out there in the media isn't always right. Because when you see someone like a Kardashian, and I mean, kids are online these days as as young as we can possibly think of. Mm -hmm. You see someone like a Kardashian, you know, promoting a flat tummy tea, you're not taught that that's wrong. Mm -hmm. You see someone who looks good, who you idolize, taking it supposedly um and promoting it and that's really all the education that you get on on diet culture Mm -hmm. um so i think you're right like teaching this to to parents and to kids at such a young or as young as we possibly can be explaining it to them is so important Mm -hmm. so that they can think critically and know that there are people around them that they can reach out to for help yeah yeah exactly and i think as someone who's worked in the schools before, I feel like the biggest, the biggest switch for me out of education and into the field that I'm in now, um, was that I saw disordered eating habits in fourth graders. I saw fourth graders who specifically one situation where we were having an afternoon snack or an after school snack. We were about to go outside and do like some stuff. And she came up to me and was like, Miss Compton, can I eat this? And it was like corn chips that I had taken, like a tortilla chips that I had taken for after school for them to eat as a snack. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, of course, of course you can eat that. That's why I brought it. Like you haven't eaten since lunch. You're probably hungry and we're about to go outside and like run around and do stuff. And she was like, but my mom tells me that this type of food makes me fat. And I just like looked at her and I was like, no, honey, no, please eat them, please. Because I asked her, I was like, are you hungry? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, then you need to eat something. And she was like, but my mom tells me I can't eat this kind of stuff. 
And it took everything in me to not be like, can I please have your mom's phone number? I need to call her and like have this conversation with her. Um, oh my God. Fourth grade, fourth grade, fourth grade, that this girl, this little girl was afraid of eating tortilla chips because her mom had told her that they would make her fat. Just to say that word to a child. Yeah. You know what I mean? And especially as, you know, as she grows up to be a teenager to say that this food or doing this is going to make you fat. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine what that does to your relationship with food? Yeah. I mean, that I was, it was very clear in the conversation I was having with her. She was so convinced that she could not eat these tortilla chips. And so she, I was like, no, no, you can eat them. And so she walked away, like she was going back to her desk and she threw her plate in the trash Oh, because my she God. was so, she was so terrified yeah. of eating those chips because she was afraid of getting fat. That is, that was the message that her mom had like ingrained into her it's, and she it's, was in fourth grade. It's bad when those messages come from the media. It's even worse when they come from trusted sources that children mm-hmm. look up to, like your parents and the adults. And you're like, that is not the conversation. You, like you're, you're literally setting them up for, for eating disorders, mm-hmm. to, to give into diet culture. That's not what you want to do. It's, yeah. it's not that important to be skinny. It's more important mm-hmm. to be healthy. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with eating tortilla chips. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. And I think that's like the scariest thing for me when it comes to like parents and stuff is like, yeah. like I was mentioning at the beginning, like a lot of parents, that generation, that was just so normal for them. And my mom shared that like her and her friends all had eating disorders, yeah. but it was just normal. Like it was just yeah. like, that's just what they did. And so I think that's where it gets really scary is that you have those parents, you have that generation that's saying like, well, I did this for my whole life mm-hmm. and I'm okay. <laughs> and it's really scary. Like it's, it's really, really scary, which yeah, is exactly why that education for parents is so important. That self-awareness is important. It's important in and of itself because you don't want, because they don't see what they went through is wrong even though it is and it's not even mm-hmm. their their fault mm-hmm. but what you don't want to do is repeat that cycle yeah so exactly. so yeah again those conversations are so important I just don't have patience for it. I yeah if I heard a parent I have heard a parent say that to their young you know child and I had to bite my tongue so hard because it mm-hmm. was not my place yeah and it's hard to see on you know from the outside looking in I know you, you want to feel like you can change people but you can't yeah you can only you know educate them and push them in the right direction and support them yeah because like you said like they went through it themselves they probably didn't get the support they need mm-hmm. so at this point when you're hearing those things it, it looks like they still kind of need support yeah not and especially it. if they're not if they're not receiving like that education or having those conversations yeah Um, and they're constantly surrounding themselves with people who think the same way and talk the same way, then obviously in their mind, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing. Um, and so I'm always telling people, I'm like, the best thing you can do as a parent is to just like remove all labels from food. Yeah. Like remove good, remove bad and just teach your kids how to 
listen to their bodies, eat when they're hungry, stop when they're full, like understanding that you need to eat nutrition, nutritious foods, but also you don't need to restrict yourself of those other foods that you enjoy. It's about that balance, right? Exactly. Yeah. So from there, (laughs) I actually just had a conversation with someone about this and I kind of want to talk a little bit with you about it because we're on the topic of, of intermittent fasting. And I want to talk a little bit about this whole intuitive fasting. (laughs) I, when you said intuitive, I smiled a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if you caught onto it, but I was like, Oh, can we talk about it? Can we talk about it? Can we talk talk about about it? I'm yes. like, I'm on the edge of my seat. I want to talk about it so much because this yes. just gets me enraged. Yeah. This so is, let's I mean, talk, let's talk about that. Let's talk about intuitive fasting because I think it really goes, it really ties into what we literally just talked about in terms of intermittent fasting. And then this idea that the diet, that diet culture and the medical field and all of these people are now trying to like create these new quote unquote wellness things yeah, <laughs> that are still diets. Um, so yeah. What are you, what are your thoughts on all of this? Oh, Gwyneth, Gwyneth, Gwyneth. I, when I saw the label of that book, mm-hmm. I immediately was sort of like, huh? Intuitive fasting, intuitive. So you're listening to your body when it tells you not to eat when it wants to die no that's not normal yeah. that can't be it's not nat. it's sent me the the phrase seems just not natural mm-hmm. you know what I mean because intuitive eating is, is is correct you know you listen to when your body needs to eat it's mm-hmm. telling you I need fuel I need nourishment I need vitamins cool when is your body telling you that it needs to be restricted mm-hmm. or that it needs to be I mean you can balance it out you can you know try to nourish it again but to take something away from it is again it's just not right and to yeah. be, again to be to have this you know wellness person the biggest wellness person in the world saying oh this is right and this is how I look the way I look mm-hmm. doesn't seem it doesn't seem fair to the masses of people who are obviously going to look up to this person. It seems like mm-hmm. you're not even giving them a chance to think for themselves. Yeah. And then, I mean, you have, you have, again, like you heard her say through quarantine that she, was she, she passed that. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a big thing for her. And I just, <laughs> again, it goes back to support. There are, there are, there, there are things that, need to happen changes that need to be made and support that needs to be given to to these people yeah clearly Clearly. I mean I I guess just the idea of like announcing to the world that she ate pasta and now she is so relatable because she (laughs) ate pasta (laughs) it just yeah I, I think the biggest thing for me and I'm sitting here, you all can't see me, but I'm like rolling my eyes. I'm rubbing my face. I'm like really cringing at all of this because it's so infuriating to me. But I think the thing that frustrates me the most about this intuitive fasting idea is that one, like you said, it's not natural at all. Our bodies, like you said, fast when we're sleeping. 
That's when our bodies like naturally fast. And this idea of intuitive fasting, they literally took a term intuitive that is a buzzword right now with intuitive eating. Oh yeah. So they're taking this term and they're connecting it to something that for a lot of people who have taken on intuitive eating had struggled with for a majority of their life in terms of restriction and fasting. And so the idea that they are trying to combine these two things. So this, this safe word for a lot of people, intuitive for a lot of people who struggled with eating disorders, who struggled with restriction, they're taking this word and they're adding it onto something that was so, that was fueling to a lot of people's eating disorders. The audacity. Go ahead. Yeah. The audacity. I yeah. think that was the part that was so frustrating for me because as someone who struggled with an eating disorder and who literally de- like stepped into intuitive eating, it saved my life. And now we have someone who is trying to profit off of the term intuitive and adding it to a term that is so incredibly unhealthy and unnatural to then make it look like intuitive fasting is different. It's different than intermittent fasting. It's different than all other fasting. And maybe it is slightly, but it's still restriction and still fasting. And there's absolutely nothing intuitive about fasting. Thank you. Because your body naturally does it again. Yeah. It it, it naturally does it. That's it. Your body fasts when you're sleeping. Yeah. And if you're forcing yourself to fast throughout the day, when your body's telling you that you're hungry, that's not intuitive. Yeah. In any way. It's the opposite of intuitive because you're being told something by your body's natural instincts and you're going against it to listen to this diet. Mm -hmm. Complete opposite. And you're right. Like that, like the, again, the audacity of them to take a word that is literally healing people from those restrictions and then place it onto a, uh, I'm, a version of a diet that has already hurt so many people mm-hmm. is is reckless it's yeah. just reckless it's, it's absolutely reckless and it's opportunistic yeah and okay. I think when when you know you have someone like Gwyneth who then feels like she has to promote this she's this like quote unquote wellness icon. She's this woman who knows her body and listens and she does all whatever, whatever her reputation is. Yeah. Um she's now saying, look, I ate pasta. I'm relatable. And here's what's changed my life. And it's this intuitive fasting. And it's just such a mind fuck for so many people who are like, hmm, okay well, how is this different from normal fasting? And I don't know enough about it to explain to you the difference in in intuitive fasting and and intermittent fasting. I didn't spend that much time looking into it, but I do know that just looking at the name of it is wrong. They're literally trying to take advantage of anyone who wants to incorporate intuitive eating or anything intuitive into their life while still encouraging them to restrict and fast and ignore those hunger cues. Um, and I think that's just what makes me so upset. 
yeah again it goes back to that word I mean, they can have whatever intention they want to have at the end of the day that using that word, branding it a certain way, and then, you know, putting it onto this wellness person, you know, big wellness icon, like one of is, mm-hmm. is just, it's, it's wrong. Yeah. You can't do that to people. And you have to think about the people who are actually suffering as yeah. opposed to the people that are just going to buy your book. And I mean, the people, the people who are struggling are going to be the people buying your book. So yeah. you're, you're making exactly. off, making money off people's, um, unfortunate circumstances it's bad as well yeah yeah no it's very very wrong um and I think you know like with all of this I think the scariest thing and 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 I think this is why I feel so passionate and why I think it's so important to have these conversations around diet culture and what diet culture is and what it looks like because we have all of these different brands and we have all of these new things coming out that are branding themselves as wellness or you know they're trying to to prove to us that it's not a diet or it's not part of diet culture when in reality it is it's it's asking you to restrict it's asking you to weigh yourself at the beginning and weigh yourself at the end it's asking you to track your foods it's asking you to do all these things that are very much regular things within diet culture and so I think I get most I get scared because people are being there people are being tricked so easily into thinking that they are stepping away from diet culture and they are you know, really learning how to live their life outside of diets while still incorporating a diet. So I think that's what's the scariest thing for me. Oh yeah, totally. We have to make people a little bit more aware of like, it has to be like an I spy book kind of like what's what, where, where, what are these things really, where are they coming from really? And like, how do I find them? And just sort of associate like disassociate all of that from all the branding from and the bullshit from what it really truly is and what it's going to do yeah. to my mind and to my body not just mm-hmm. your, body, your mind as well is really important yeah I always tell people um like when we talk about diet culture in my workshop and I always tell people there's like two to three things that you should look for if you're trying to distinguish something as being part of diet culture or not first one being if it is focusing on any sort of insecurity So if it's talking about stretch marks or cellulite or double chin or arm flab or, you know, belly or like whatever, if it focuses on any sort of insecurity or makes you feel insecure about any certain part of your body, check. Like that's one aspect. The other one is um, if it causes you to feel any sort of guilt around food or movement, if you feel guilty for eating certain eating certain things, or you feel guilty for not moving your body enough, if this program makes you feel that way, check. Yep. <laughs> it's probably going to fall under diet culture. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, which can be kind of tricky, but I think it's pretty easy to kind of figure out is like the intention of the program. Yeah. Is the intention of this program really about my health or is the intention of this program to make money off of me and so asking yourself okay what is the intention of this um is this actually going to benefit me in the long run mentally and physically or is it just focused on my insecurities making me feel guilty and making money off of me 
100%. I love those. So those are the three things that you should definitely look for if you're trying to determine if something is falling under diet culture or not. Definitely. I think people just, I think that's so important to tell people as well and to educate, educate people on, because I think when other people call out diet culture, they, they get a bad rap for it. Like, I mean, you look at Demi Lovato sort of because if they're, they look as if they're being too sensitive when in reality, there are things that people just aren't aware of Mm -hmm. and fall victim to when it comes to diet culture that you just can't really see. Again, you got to read between the lines when it comes to diet culture, because they're all about branding. Oh yeah, definitely. That branding hurts people. Mm-hmm. So you, you got to be careful with, um, like you know how you speak up on it. But I think that education behind it and like mm-hmm. those, what you said was literally facts, mm-hmm. um, and giving people that information to help them see that this is why we're calling things out mm-hmm. is so important. Yeah, definitely. And I think people, if people have education, they're gonna make that informed decision for themselves. Yeah. So instead, so for me, like. I try not to tell people what to do. I just try and provide them with information and saying, here, here's some information, here's some knowledge. And with this, you can make that informed decision on your own. But I, in my head, I know what decision I want them to make. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to tell you and show you what it looks like to not be a part of all of that and to love yourself and to accept yourself in hopes that people are like, Oh, I want to do that. And I want to be that. I want to live like that. That's what I get all the time is that, Oh, I want to be where you're at. And I want, you know, I'm I'm striving for it. I'm not there yet, but I'm striving for it. I'm like, that's good. You should aim for that because at the end of the day, you're interested. All you're doing is aiming for confidence and and happiness. Mm -hmm. There's, absolutely nothing wrong with that nothing yeah yeah and I think the other important thing too is really like as a society we we don't focus or prioritize mental health enough and we we really prioritize physical health and how skinny are you how strong are you how ripped are you Mm -hmm. um when in reality I I find myself always telling people like you have to start with mental you have to start with your mentality you have to start with your mental health and from there if you want to to focus on something physically then you can but it's going to be a completely different experience than if you were to start with that physical appearance and then somehow try and like trick your brain into thinking a certain way um so starting with that mental that mentality and really just focusing on your mental health I think is the most important thing for us 100 percent, and I learned that lesson too late but I'm glad that I learned it that's where sort of back to like the beginning of this conversation that's where body neutrality came in um mm-hmm. and that you know that mental um adjustment that I needed to make yeah um and just you know sort of learning to exist beyond the means of my body or, or yeah. not making everything about my body including what I ate or what mm-hmm. I wore or you know literally anything yeah so you know, that mental mind shift is going to be the most important thing. And it's going to just sort of, once you get that, um, that emotional and mental, I guess, view of how you should be looking at your body and looking at how you're going to nourish your body, everything else sort of falls into place. Your your confidence comes and Mm -hmm. you'll wear things that you never sort of would 
dream or imagine of wearing before. So mm-hmm. I always tell people like, you know, start, start up here. Everything else will follow. I promise it's not about changing your body. Definitely. 1000%. So to kind of wrap it up, um, I would love if you could share, um, a piece of advice for those listening when you have bad body image days, or you have those days where you think, Hmm, would life just be easier if I went back to dieting or would life just be easier if I went back to intermittent fasting? Um, how do you work through those days and those thoughts? First of all, can I tell you that I literally had those thoughts in the last week we're coming up to like our Hindu wedding and I am, I mean, it gets to you, right? Mm-hmm. So I definitely had those thoughts in the last few weeks. What I let myself do was, and what I've learned to let myself do is to just lean into those feelings mm-hmm. of, of, you know, the emotional state, the angry state, whatever it is, to lean into them, to write them down um, and to not force myself to be something else. Mm-hmm. Because the second I try to force myself to be happy again, I'm faking it. Mm-hmm. those feelings aren't going to go away if I lean into them I learn the source of those emotions which here would be you know my Hindu wedding coming up um then you can start to find a start to find a solution for them mm-hmm. but I, I I learned to just not I used to be a perfectionist in everything including you know how I dieted or what I looked like mm-hmm. so I've learned that giving myself time with those emotions finding a source and then finding a solution um, in whatever way that may be, whether it's, you know, put it for for instance, in this situation, putting on a sari beforehand, getting comfortable mm-hmm. in it, getting comfortable just in my home, getting comfortable in front of just my fiance, and then in front of people mm-hmm. that those baby steps truly help. Do not force yourself into anything. Yeah. I love that. I feel like my, my way of handling is very similar. I've had to learn how to give my body grace and to give myself grace in terms of understanding, like no matter how many years I've been trying to love myself and be in this place of like body confidence and all of this stuff as a human, I'm still going to have days and I'm still going to have weeks where I wake up and I don't feel great. And I don't look in the mirror and I say, great things about myself. I look in the mirror and I think negative things about myself, but that is what makes us human. And I think it's how you work through those thoughts. So giving yourself that grace, acknowledging those feelings, figuring out, okay, maybe what triggered this? Did something, did I experience something that's making me feel this way? Um, and like you said, not ignoring those feelings, not trying to like, cover them up with happiness because that's just not, it's just not going to be realistic. I think it's stepping into those feelings, giving yourself grace and really thinking about, okay, what can I do right now to make myself, you know, feel a slight bit like happier, slightly, you know, a little bit better without trying to completely erase those feelings that you're having. 100%. I love that. Brenta, I appreciate you so much. Uh, I'm so glad you were able to come onto the podcast. I am so excited because this is actually my first, the first conversation I've had around intuitive fasting and intermittent (laughs) fasting. (laughs) And I'm so glad I was able to have that with you um, as someone who experienced it. You know, I think it's so important to hear what you experienced and, and how you worked through that. So thank you so much. 
Um, and lastly, if you could just share with us how the followers can find you and support you. Yeah, they can find me on TikTok. I'm a TikToker now, guys. Um, <laughs> on TikTok at, at Brintapon and then on Instagram at Brintstagram, which is a little bit hard to spell, but it's my name in com- combination with the word Instagram. So you'll Perfect. find me there. <laughs> yeah. And I'll put it in the show notes, but um, <laughs> yay, TikTok, Instagram, even though TikTok is hating us right now. Always oh, another conversation, girl. Yeah, I'll come back for that. They're always hating <laughs> us. They're always hating us, but we're we're still showing up. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be pushed out of anything. Nope. Anything at all. I'm gonna show up the way I am and you're gonna accept me. That's it. Ex- yes, exactly. And that's why I love you so much. Thank you, Brenta, so much for being here. Um, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.